Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back in to the Why You Know Doctor podcast. Today I have Clarence, who is better known as Jurassic, spelled with a Q, which is his League of Legends gamer tag. Jurassic is a professional esports gamer who specializes in League of Legends. He was part of the Golden Guardians esports team, which actually is owned by the Golden State Warriors. So that is the Golden State Warriors professional esports team. Uh, he was also part of another very well-known esports team called Team Gates. Today, he runs a popular League of Legends educational channel on Twitch, and he's also a full-time content creator and Twitch partner. So in this podcast, Jurassic is going to be talking and sharing both his experiences and advice as a professional esports gamer. Personally, I think the esports space is growing rapidly and extremely exciting. So it's quite insightful to understand really what it takes uh, to become a professional gamer and where the whole industry is going. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the podcast. And without further ado, here's Jurassic. Thanks for hopping on the podcast, uh, first and foremost. Um, appreciate it, of course. Yeah, no problem. Of course. I mean, yeah, it was cool. So I, I mean, like, I, I know, like, I first found out about you just because you're also part of the Asian Creative Network, and uh, you know, you made that post a little bit, just introducing yourself. It got a lot of traction. You mentioned um, just a little bit about your background um, and your journey in League of Legends and in esports, and uh, a bit about kind of your new path into like Twitch and like being a full time content creator uh, and partner with Twitch. Um, so what, what, what led you to actually create that post? Um, because you mentioned some stuff about like potentially or, or starting a podcast and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found out about the Facebook group from one of my viewers, actually. Um, I guess sometimes like on stream, I would talk about like stuff that I plan to do in the future. And, um, one of the projects that again, like that I wanted to start this year was actually this podcast, um, that really focuses mostly on like the how you know as gamers there's this stereotypical norm that people kind of expect you to look like and you know as someone that has been into like working out you know who's been you know played sports growing up I've I thought that like it's like uh I feel like it's something that is not really covered as much um, especially in like the gaming scene like there's a bunch of streamers and other pro players that are really active, like actively going to the gym and, you know, being physical and trying to change that, you know, norm or that stereotypical gamer look. But it's something that that's, that's honestly not even like talked about at all. So mm-hmm. that is something that I kind of wanted to start. And again, when I mentioned that on stream, one of my viewers um, recommended me to join Asian Creative, um, the Facebook group, to see if there's any like, you know, other Asians um, in the same field that you know would want to get involved in the podcast so that's kind of how that got started and yeah so that's when I decided to make that post was to like find other people that are within like I guess the same realm and kind of like you know potentially like meet people um, mm-hmm. also like I've never really done anything close to like a podcast so you know hoping like to learn from other people as well that you know maybe do podcasts and stuff like that yeah it's really cool man yeah and I, I definitely related to like immediately after you post that i actually related to it personally because um i'm not so much a gamer anymore but when i was younger when i was like 12 to like 
16 or 17. That's like all I did. You know, I was like, yeah. uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was like a very skinny Asian kid that like was uh, playing uh, first person shooters. Um, yeah. And uh, that was like kind of like all I did. And like, I was in like a clan and like no one knew I was like 12 years old. <laughs> I like didn't want, we, we didn't use Discord back then. It was like Ventrilo and TeamSpeak. It's Skype, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I was like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's always been like a, a place that um, I really understand. And of course I started to like work out more and stuff like that because I was just like, man, like I'm just like so unhealthy. I'm playing like, I moved to like, <laughs> I moved to like MMORPGs, like Final Fantasy 11 online. Um, like grinding out. yeah just like i would like fall asleep with like pizza boxes and like my face is full of acne i'm just like clicking <laughs> still trying to like farm you know yeah. so so that that was a bit before like esports like took off you know and uh mm-hmm. i always thought that was a really cool um I, you know i've always been curious like what it's been like to like be in that space and obviously i want to get into that a little bit in the podcast but but yeah um do you think that that's stigma around you know i'm just thinking like is it really or how does it negatively impact um you know this like stigma uh uh, for like gamers or or whatever like because part of me also feels like you know truth is that if you're like if you're really intensely practicing and playing in front of a computer you're probably not going to be like this jacked dude that's like an nfl football player right because it's like that because literally like your muscles for nfl like that's like (laughs) you know actually really really important um so yeah so i'm just wondering like what about that makes you want to um kind of address more light in Mm -hmm. yeah i think um i guess one of the biggest reason was like Again, like growing up, I feel like um, before esports was even a thing, you know, nowadays it's becoming more of a norm. Um, people tend to not really talk about the fact that they even play a lot of video games. Like I remember when I was a kid, um, I grew up in Chicago and I remember like shying away from like even mentioning the fact that, you know, like I'm playing the new Pokemon game because yeah. I felt like, or I've even, like, I experienced, like, getting, you know, bullied by other kids that are like, yo, like, all you do is play games, blah, blah, you're such a nerd, blah, 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 you know. And it became kind of, I guess, not accepted to, like, um, you know, dedicate a lot of time into it. Whereas, like, nowadays, you know, you look at, you know, the kids that are making it big, right, like, really young, like, younger people that are getting into, like, esports you know, at like the age of like 15, 16, 17. And it's like, they're becoming like superstars. And like, you know, you can tell that like, even like people from their school are looking up to them now. Because again, it's more accepted nowadays. Um, so I think that's like, I guess where it's coming from was kind of like that, you know, that kind, that kind of change that happened. And I feel like, you know, if more people kind of, I guess, like understand like where, you know, where like the whole stigma came from and how it's slowly changing. I think it'll bring more people to even accept it even more. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, like regular people are like, you know, your everyday gamers nowadays. And it's oh, for sure. becoming part of the norm, you know. I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things that's changed from when I when I grew up is like, I feel like people that played so many video games were kind of like not the norm. Yeah. <laughs> now i feel like it's like everyone plays like, everyone does it yeah and everyone's proud yeah. to do it you know yeah it's really proud yeah. like um and there's a lot of people that you would never expect like that play uh um 
you know, what whatever, you know, whatever game these days. So um so I'm happy yeah, like, that stigma's changing. Yeah, like for me too, like um like recently like the app the social media app called Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. I joined like sometime last month. And obviously like Clubhouse is known for like a place where people network. It's more for like people that are, you know, in certain fields. You know what I mean? Like working for big brands, yeah. like stuff like that. And for me to go on there and, you know, people hearing about like what I do and, you know, kind of seeing people get excited for like what I do is, you know, it's kind of game changing. You know what I mean? Because like in terms of like where esports was before, it's kind of like people are like starting to see that it's an actual career path now. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, it's kind of I kind of see it being accepted a lot now. So. What do you think kind of uh, shifted that um, shifted to start to become more accepted? Because um, one thing that I think of is probably just like as more. Well, I don't know, because like when I was like playing a lot of sports, I know like a lot of my friends and stuff like that, even when I was 12, I'm 30, 31 now, I just turned 31. So it's been a long time. But like people are starting to get sponsored by like NVIDIA and like other things, but still wasn't like mainstream. You know, I don't know, I guess, at what point did it start to become more like mainstream? Yeah, I think what made it mainstream was, I guess, the the games just got even bigger. And the fact that because of like social media and how it is, everybody kind of, um, you could, you, you could, I guess, everybody likes sharing what they do nowadays. And I feel like the biggest shift was when like um, actors or like, you know, these like NBA players kind of start showcasing the fact that they play video games. Yeah, didn't they like Jeremy made... Lin play League or something? And, yeah, and, Jeremy uh, Lin played Gordon Dota. Played. Oh, yeah, Dota. He played Dota. Plays League. Yeah, and kind of, so that kind of like brought light to it. And then everybody's like, wait, like these guys aren't even like, they don't care about the fact that they do it. Like they're showing it to everyone. And that just kind of like grew more and more like the, I guess there's like certain games that blew up like League, uh, League of Legends, Fortnite. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty, like a bunch of these games are just blowing up and um, everyone's starting to do it. And I feel like nowadays, especially with like the digital age, everything's like becoming online and people are kind of, you know, everyone's like, I guess, like wanting to try things now, I feel like. And once everyone started like doing one thing, you know, everybody likes to jump on you know, whatever everyone's doing, you know, in a way. Yeah, that makes sense. Where do you kind of see like this this going? I mean, like things are just getting bigger and bigger, especially with like how big like the um, some of like the championships are like with like League mm-hmm. of Legends. I mean, I think League is probably one of the biggest esports, right? Is it the biggest one? Yeah, it's the biggest. Yeah, it's the biggest. E-sports. Okay. Like, and then now there's so many streamers that stream uh, when whether they're playing League or they're playing even just games like Animal Crossing. You know, like yeah, it's, it's like yeah, any it's crazy. game. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you see this all going? I mean, do you see like more, um, do you see like, uh, like, I guess, how far are we into like, uh, into mm-hmm. it being mainstream or is it even quite there yet? Or, or is it still has a long way to go? Um, I think in terms of like how big it is compared to like regular sports, I think in terms of like viewership and reach, it's definitely surpassed. Like, um, I think there's, like, studies showed, like, from, like, the past League of Legends world champion that he has more, like, it has, like, so many, so much more views than, like, the NBA champion or, like, the MLB finals, you know, or, like, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think think your audio is, by the way, just going, like, a little, uh, it's, like, kind of up and down. I'll get, I'll get. But, uh, Um, so, I think, 
Yeah, yeah. So I think in terms of like viewership and reach, it's definitely there already. But you know, it is different just because you know everything is online. So obviously, you can't compare it to like an NBA game where actual people are showing up to watch the game. You know what I mean? Like there are like live events uh, for these esports esport titles, but it's just not like a thing that happens often. You know. Uh, but in terms of like it being mainstream, I think. I think it's not like mainstream, mainstream yet, but I think it's getting there. I would say it's like halfway. It's like mm-hmm. halfway to like where it should be, I guess. Um, I like to look at the LCS, which is like the league championship series as a way to kind of, I guess, like compare it compared to like other franchise, like actual sports, like the NBA. So LCS is, the, I guess, like the franchise league here in the United States. Um, currently, there's 10 teams. Um most of these teams, again, it's since it became franchise, I believe like, I believe it was three years ago where they when they first started the franchise, two or three years ago. Um, teams had to buy in, I believe, like ten million dollars to get into the to into the league, and a lot of the teams are like teams that are all backed by actual organization NBA organizations like the Golden State Warriors. Um, they own a team called the Golden Guardians. Um, there's a team called the FlyQuest that is backed by the, by the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, let me let me think if there's another one. Um, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the teams have certain owners that own part of the team. Um, and there's also like NBA players that are part of an org, like Steph Curry owns part of TSM, stuff like that. Um, but I think I kind of want to look at that as like compared to like the NBA, which has like, I believe 30 teams right now. So it's slowly getting there in terms of like sponsorship, um, even like the actual matches now, you see that they're getting sponsored by like the same companies as that would sponsor like actual sport teams or sport events like State Farm. Um, what is another one? Like Jimmy John's, like actual like mainstream kind of like mm-hmm. companies. And they're starting to get into like the whole esports scene by like, you know, sponsoring the teams or like the event itself. So I think it's slowly getting there. Like, um, a, lot, a bunch of the teams now have like car sponsorships, like Immortals, I believe is sponsored by like Toyota. So that's really interesting. So do, when you first started to get into professional like esports, was um, like when, when was that? And did you even like were you uh, have you just been playing? I, I guess you said in high school already, you're already playing a lot of like uh, computer yeah, different games, games. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what games are you playing? And um, that was. Like, I'm yeah. trying to figure out how that translated into league. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, you know, I'm Filipino. Um, yeah. Growing up, we kind of always visited the Philippines. There was a big gap in my life where we lived in the Philippines for about two to three years. Um, like, we, we just came home, and then my parents decided to send us to school there for, I, think, I believe it was three years. So, we went to school there for three years. Um, and I guess that's where it all kind of started. Um, and Usually in like Southeast Asian countries, PC gaming is like huge. Uh, they have these PC cafes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I guess it's kind of the norm that when you're a kid, you go to these PC cafes, hang out with your friends, play games. So that's kind of where it started. Um, I got introduced to this game called Dota, which is a mobile game, um, exactly like League. This was before League um, was even created. Um, Dota was like the all-time like best mobile game it was like the first ever was that was that warcraft 3 mod originally yeah yeah i I played that too also yeah it was just yeah it was just a warcraft 3 mod that became like 
<laughs> it's yeah. like one of the most popular <laughs> like game modes ever. And then it became this big thing. And that's kind of like, I th- I believe that's where everybody kind of got started when it came to like the MOBA genre. And so when I, you know, when I returned to the States, um, I was playing Dota still. And then um, I randomly stumbled upon League like online because again, it's another MOBA game. And you know, obviously if you play one game, you're kind of looking for like other games that are similar to try out. So that's kind of where it got started. I decided to try out League. And at first, I actually, I honestly did not like League that much. I thought it was like a, like a more vanilla version of Dota. Um, mm-hmm. So when I first started, uh, especially when League first came out, it wasn't like the best graphic-wise because obviously, you know, it's a new game, and yeah. they're kind of copying like most of the ideas from Dota, like being the same genre and Dota being like this like best game um, of that genre. So they're kind of like mimicking some stuff. So why not play Dota instead, you know, if you're just going to play something that's kind of like a knockoff of Dota. Um, but a couple of years down the line, I decided to give it a try again. And slowly I started getting into it. And then, and then from there, yeah, I just started playing a bunch of league and all throughout high school, I was playing it. Um, I believe I was like barely sleeping. Um, so yeah. I can practice and, <laughs> What were um, were you were you uh how were you doing at school like were your parents like pretty chill with that or like what was that like Yeah so for my parents um I grew up with just my dad actually mm-hmm. uh, so my parents were divorced but um my dad honestly as long as I was passing my classes and you know I wasn't failing any classes he was fine with it um as long as I wasn't like ditching class or anything he was honestly you know for him I guess like He's always been the kind of, I guess, parent that he always prioritized our happiness over like, you know, making sure like you're getting the best grades, you know, and all this stuff. As long as we're happy, he's happy uh, in a way. So, yeah, so I, you know, I basically did all that. And, you know, when I got into college, I got like certain opportunities to like play in tournaments and you want to just transition into like how I went pro or. Um, yeah, I think, uh, well, actually one thing is just about like the growing up with a single dad. Like, I feel like also it's like, cause I grew up with a single mom and it's like, I'm, mm-hmm. honestly, she was just too busy to like, just trying yeah. to like work and stuff to like care too much. About, to care like, too much. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. you know, focus on that uh, if you're doing well and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I went to school, you know, like I didn't have great, I didn't have very good grades, but like, you yeah. know, I was a good kid overall. I just play a lot of video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you didn't do anything stupid, you know, and yeah, that's all yeah. they cared about, you know, as long as you're staying out of trouble, you go to classes. Yeah, that's kind of how okay. I was too. And, and so at that that point, you um, you, you at that point was like esports and like getting sponsored or like actually making money from that, like like on your mind at all, or just like not, nah, you're just like just to pass the time and and enjoy. Yeah. So um, during this time again, I grew up with just my dad. Yeah. Um there's a lot of other stuff that kind of falls into it, but like, obviously my dad being a single parent, like we didn't have a lot of money. Um, I remember like living in like a one bedroom apartment for a while with just my dad and my two siblings. So like esports kind of, or like gaming kind of became that escape. So like in league of legends specifically, there's this thing called um, ranking, which is like where you rank your account. So you can like get up the ladder, hopefully get noticed, go pro. But then there's this other aspect called um, rank boosting, which is when 
you pay a better player to like play on your account for them to boost your ranking. Oh, they actually play on your account? I thought they just like play in like solo queue with you and like, like (laughs) just carry. They actually actually hop on your account. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, again, so I didn't grow up with a lot. So I wanted to help my dad out, help my family out. So I got into that thing called ELO boosting. It's called ELO. ELO is basically like your ranking. So I got into that wanting to help my dad out. So I did that for about all throughout like my high school, um, all throughout like my early college years. And I was able to make a good amount of money and I was able to like buy my dad a car. And what? No way. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you made so much money back then. Just like, again, like going the like I guess the, how it works is that people would pay you depending on what rank they want to reach for you to go on their account and reach that rank for them. And then, you know, and then you're just done. And then they pay you depending on how much you, the term is boosting, how much you boosted their account. So what's the benefit for them? Is it just to like flex that they're like a higher rank now? Yeah. So there's like, I guess it's like uh, most of your market is like Chinese students, like really rich Chinese exchange students. And um, usually it's just, honestly like for them to brag or like some of them think they belong in a certain rank but they can't reach that rank so they're like man like i deserve this rank so i'm gonna pay this guy <laughs> and then once i get their rank you know i'll be able to play but it ends up being like this cycle where they do get that rank and then they end up losing a shit ton of games and then yeah. they're back paying the same guy over and over again and that's kind of what happened to me like i ended up having like certain people that would go back to me every year and I, that kind of became like my side gig instead of like working your typical job, like when you're 16, like working at Walmart or something like that became my side hustle. And from there, obviously, you still got to play the same game. So your skill obviously keeps improving because you're still playing the same game. You're still getting that practice in, you know. Yeah. So and you're making money from it. So it's like you don't have to actually yeah. work another job. That's, work another uh, job. Yeah. 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 Crazy. So that was... Yeah, that was my main focus was to like help my dad out while, you know, still being able to do what I love. And at the same time, you know, like I I wasn't really thinking about like going pro or like getting into esports. Because again, it's this thing that a lot of people know is like super hard. Um, Only like a chosen few can really like make it and like make a career out of it. So what what percent would you say, by the way, that, that actually seriously try can make like a living like, you know, not, oh. not anything crazy, but just like, you know, support themselves from, from, from only that. Cause I think some people support themselves from like Twitch or something, but yeah. they're not really like pro game, you know, they're not, you know. Oh, you mean like actual pro players, actual pro yeah. players, I would say. So like the challenger, so how ranking works is that the high or the best ranking is this ranked tier called challenger. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's a 0.001% of like the population. So there's like, I believe there's like, 10 million players in the United States and the challenger ladder is only like the top 200. Mm-hmm. And out of those top 200, the pro players would probably be like at that time, probably like 150 to hundred. So you're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah. So like the numbers are like, it's insane. Like, like the chances of you going pro is like, it's basically, I would equivalent equivalent it to like trying to go pro in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's that like, it's just that competitive so, so yeah because there's even more people that can play because it's so accessible it's online for so yeah. many people 
right? It's yeah, like, there's no limitations. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to yeah. be. It's a free game too. Yeah, that's the thing about gaming too is that you're not like you're not stopped by like how tall you are. Yeah. Um, how much training you got? Like anyone can just jump in, and if they want to put in the time, they can make it. So like, there's just way more competition. So for me, it was never, it was never my number one dream to like go pro. It's more like during that time, you know, I I had a decent, I was pretty good at the game, and I just wanted to help my dad out. So that's kind of where it like obviously, if you wanted to make more money, you need to be better so you can win more games consistently. So that's kind of what where the drive came from to like, you know, be really good at first. Yeah. And when you, when you uh, at some point decide to try to make this run for going pro, like, um, uh, and maybe we'll, we'll get there in the conversation, but I'm wondering kind of how, uh, what goes into, cause I, I imagine it's a combination of, yeah, I mean, obviously you're playing a lot, but there's more than it goes into that. There's, there's definitely a large degree of talents because so many people can just play all the time. Right. Yeah. So there must be, uh, a, a very big component of natural talents. Maybe that's like mm. reaction speed or, or something else. I'm curious what you think about that, but also um, probably like study. I just feel like, cause I play league, but I'm not very good at it. And I've played it for a long time, but I just mm. feel like, you know, when I hit like a plateau, it's like, I'm just like, I just feel like the people that are really good, they just really know how every champion works, like how they're going to win every single, like, they just know the, like, I don't fucking know what any items do. I'm just like, I have to click the recommended one, you know, <laughs> yes, and, uh, I do pretty well, yeah. but like, but yeah. it's like, you know, did you have to study all that stuff? Like how much of it's playing, mm-hmm. how much of it's just like, actually like really like a structured academic, you know, focus mm-hmm. of like, this is what I need to do. Yeah. So, um, this is a question I actually get a lot, you know, now that I stream, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people ask me like, you know, what does it take to go pro or be the best? Um, I think there's a certain base limit that you can, or there's a certain rank that you can get just solely off your mechanics, which is what you mentioned, your reaction speed, how good you are at clicking things, how fast you pick up things, how fast you react to like certain scenarios, how fast you learn things, you know, like mechanics is basically like, you know, like how you move your keyboard, how fast you are at like um, clicking stuff, how fast you are at like using your mouse, how good you are at that. Um, I think, so like there's like a I think there's like a certain rank that you can get just through that, which I believe is like diamond. So like the tier works iron, it goes iron, bronze, silver, gold, plat, diamond. Now it's like master, grandmaster, and then challenger. Mm-hmm. And the the people that go pro are only the challenger players. So yeah. so even if you have like the baseline mechanics, you're probably gonna reach diamond max, I would say. And then that's where, like, the other stuff comes to play. Like, um, people study the game. Obviously, nowadays, when I first or when I did GoPro, there wasn't as much info about the game. Nowadays, there's just a shit ton of info online. Like, if you wanted to learn about a certain champion, you can easily YouTube that champion. And there's, like, a million videos on, like, how to play that champion, what combos to use. Back when I was trying to GoPro, there wasn't as many guides. And... I think what I did specifically that helped me like push to get to that next level to like GoPro was, you know, I started like reviewing my own game, started taking VOD notes, kind of like how. What's a VOD note? So like oh, it's a video like you watch. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So like VODs are basically like watching a replay of your game, kind of like how NBA players would watch like, like a film of yeah. their game. You know what I mean? And like how an NFL player they would like review games. That's so that's 
called like VOD reviewing, which is um, also a thing people do in esports. So I started doing that individually, started studying my own game, um, started watching films of like other people online that I looked up to. So um, the best region or what people consider the best region in the game is Korea. So mm -hmm. if you want to learn about a certain champion or how a certain champion, certain champion should be played, um, you kind of look up, look up um, certain players from Korea and see how they play that champion. And then you try to mimic what they do. So that's what I did. And I think that's what pushed me to get to that next level to like where I was able to like compete with like pro players and eventually go pro. Um, yeah. I think, and I think the biggest factor, honestly, for me was again, it was just that drive because when I decided to make that leap from like just boosting and then deciding to like wanting to go pro, I think what made me like, I guess really good, really fast was the fact that I gave up everything. So like I dropped out of college and I was like, if I don't make it as a pro, I have like nothing. You know what I mean? Like I'm going all in on this. So like, like there's no room for failure basically. And if I end up failing here, I have nothing to run back to, you know what I mean? Like, obviously I can go back to school, but I basically like wasted like three or four yeah. years down the line of like practicing this game. So I, with that attitude and the same time, like during the, during this time, like, um, you're, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like video game. So like most of the people that play the game, they're not as serious about it. Like obviously some of them want to go pro too, but someone like me who's like actually putting the time to like review games, um, play as much as I can, um, actually study the game. I had like an edge compared to like most players at that time that was trying to go pro or was at the same level as me. And I was able to, you know, become better than them like a lot faster. So uh, what were you studying in uh, college and what, what year did you drop out? Yeah, so I was studying business administration. Okay. Um, I dropped out my sophomore year. So I was about to be done with my sophomore year. And I got this opportunity to play for this team. It was, uh, it was like a semi-pro team called Zenit Esports. And the reason why I, you know, I thought this was it, this was, this was the time to drop, was because this team itself was a team where a lot of like pro players at the time this was like a team they all came from. So to me, this was like a sign that this, like, you know, I just got all in now, you know, or else like this opportunity is, it's just going to be gone. And again, with that same mindset, um, you know, like my dad always believed in me. Um, mm -hmm. And when I told him that I feel like, you know, I can make it and he just, he just put, you know, he just believed in me and he was like, sure, you know, like, Worst case, you go back to school, you know, a couple of years down the line if it doesn't work out. And yeah, at that point, that's when I kind of decided to take the leap of fate. And, you know, from there, you know, I was able to get into like teams and then eventually, you know, go pro. So how, how did you get that first opportunity, I guess? Because um, that's probably what a lot <laughs> of people if what you kind of need as the catalyst. Right. And yeah. um, was there like a method or who are you in touch with or where were like, who are you connected with to actually even get that opportunity? Yeah. So like, um, certain esport teams, um, there's usually a coach, a head coach, and then most teams have like a manager or like a team owner. But during, or when I was going pro, this was, um, I believe like 2000, I'll say 2016. Uh, I can double check just to be sure with dates and stuff. I think dates are super important. 
because um obviously the scene now is super different. Um yeah, so I when I first joined that team, that was 2017. Yeah, so that was 2017 okay. was when years, I yeah. three four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So during this time, like esports wasn't as I guess built yet. Um, obviously there's teams, there's already like sponsorship and all that, but yeah. if you're new, you're starting, you 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 usually start off. Um, in, in what you call the amateur scene, which is like the semi-pro scene. And this team specifically, Zen Esports, is known for like being one of the best, I guess, semi-pro team. And so like the best way to like get in contact with them is honestly, again, like the whole ladder thing is super important because that same ladder is where all the pro players play. So if they if people see that you're constantly playing against pro players, you're performing, um, you're even beating players that are already in the professional level, like, of course, they're going to want to, like, you know, watch your games, talk to you, see where you're head at if you're trying to go right. pro. So they're just scouting pretty much. Like, they'll scout yeah. and watch. Okay. Kind of like, you know, how they, like, um, certain scout or, like, college scouts would, like, watch high school games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what they do. And so I was, like, I was able to reach, like, top five that year um, in the entire um, North America ladder out of, like, millions of players. I was, like, rank five. That's um, crazy. That was already that was so that's was already yeah. So but that's before you even um get into a pro team, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, you so were like already doing really well. I was already pretty good, yeah. So like that's usually how it works for these esports title. And it, this is not just for league alone, like for any other game. Um, like the new esports titles now are like Call of Duty, Valorant, mm-hmm. um, Dota 2, um, Rocket League, like these games, they all have a rank ladder. And the best way to get noticed and get picked up or get looked up by a team is by just getting as high as you can um, in the ladder. And then from there, again, they do have scouts, especially now. Like the scene is so established that um, when they notice like a player goes from like being a nobody and then all of a sudden being like top 10 in the entire entire region, like people are going to notice. So for me, that's what I did. And um, the team owner ended up contacting me. And then from there, you know, he just kind of gauged my interest. Like if I wanted to go pro, because obviously not everyone who like competes and are like the best in a game wants to go pro. Some of them actually just play for fun or like streamers and have like full-time jobs. And, or, or there's like players that are good, but they never see esports as like a career that they wanted to get into. So from there, he contacted me and then... That's when I kind of decided that, yeah, like I want to give it a shot. And yeah, that's kind of where it started. Okay. Um, so then you dropped out of school and then um, can you talk to me just uh, or share a little bit about kind of, um, you know, some of the high level details of like kind of that journey once you mm-hmm. do join like a team. Um, yeah. What's the schedule? Uh, how do you like even live? Like what's the living like? Because now you're not even yeah. <laughs> obligated to go to this class anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, again, for the, usually, like, before you go pro, you usually have to join a couple of semi-pro teams, kind of start building your name, start start building, like, that competitive experience. Because, again, like, for the most part, like, solo queue or, solo queue or, like, the games on the ladder for rank, like, yeah, it's a good way to test your skill, your individual skill, but it's still a different game compared to, like, an actual competitive game where you're playing with four other people, um, and you're against other like a f- group of five people that are also like playing as a team. Um, 
so again, like you can be good mechanically, have the skill, but you can also, but at the same time, not have the skill to work as a teammate. You know what I mean? Like you can be a bad teammate. Like, like there's so many players um, in esports that, like, yeah, they're good mechanically, um, like they're solid individual players, but they can never work in a team environment because they're just, you know, they're either they're selfish, they just don't like working with other people, they don't like relying on other people. Mm-hmm. So like. It's really interesting. I never thought of that, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah. So like kind of, so like the semi-pro scene is kind of like your way of like, you know, kind of finding out or like for people to find out if this guy can actually play in a team environment, you know? Um, so yeah. So once I joined my first like semi-pro team, we went to like a couple of like land tournaments. Land tournaments are basically like tournaments all usually all over um, the States. This was before COVID was a thing. <laughs> so like, um, once you got signed by a team, um, you guys would usually fly out to like different states to like compete in these tournaments for prize money. And then at the same time, like these tournaments have like players that are in like pro teams or getting looked by pro teams. So like it's a way to like prove yourself even more. So that's what I did. So when I joined the team, it's called Zenit Esports. We ended up joining a bunch of tournaments. We ended up placing first place, I believe in almost all of them. And then a couple months later, I got contacted by my first ever pro for, or my, the first ever pro team I signed with, which was Team Gates. Um, Team Gates is a team owned by a really big streamer who is still one of the biggest league streamers now, um, Trick2G. And he wanted to build his own esports brand. So he joined this league called the Challenger League, which is basically um, the league under the pro league, which is the LCS. Um, so in comparison, it could be like the G League to the NBA. So you're still considered a pro player because um, you're on a contract, you're getting paid. Um, so that's kind of like, that's usually where people start before they uh, make it to like the biggest, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the game. But um, yeah, so I got signed by this team called Team Gates. And when I was in Zenit, like, yeah, we were flying out to tournaments, but we would always have to go home to our own homes afterwards. Like, we would fly out to, like, for me, I would have to fly back home to Chicago after, like, the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference is in a pro team, usually you all have, ga- they all have gaming houses where they provide, like, um, rent. You don't have to pay anything. They provide you food, and they pay you, like, a monthly salary to play the game. And they give you, like, everything. All you need to do is show up and play. And then they give you, like, a space to live where you can live with your teammates Again, to further build that like chemistry in and out of the game. Because again, like most of these game titles rely a lot on teamwork. So like having a team that works well together is super important. Um, so yeah, so when I first signed, I guess with my first pro team, which was Team Gates, they flew us out to Las Vegas. They had a house there. And this was my ever first ever, I guess, big signing. Um, and we were able to compete for a spot in this challenger league called, um, I believe it was called Challenger Academy or something. But um, yeah, so I signed with them for about a couple months. Unfortunately, our team lost to this other team um, called CLG, which is one of the most established esports team now, like in the world. Uh, so we ended up losing to their team. And then, so Trick2G, basically the team owner, he lost his spot in the league. Cause like, again, like you compete for a spot in the league, uh, I believe every season. So if you're in a, if you're the last place team, you have to compete against like people wanting to get into the league. Mm-hmm. So we ended up losing 
And after a couple months, um, we had to like leave the house. So this is like the spot where you're like, you don't have a team. Cause again, like the team disbands cause you know, you're not under a team anymore because you're not part of the league. So this is when I got contacted by another team called team sky, which is this other semi pro team that is wanting to get into the franchise league. So the coming year, 2018 was going to be the first year of the franchise, uh, franchise LCS, which is, so before the franchise league, um, they had this thing where any team can get in, there's like relegations, but then 2018, they decided to do this thing where it's going to be franchised. And for a team to get into the league, you would have to pay again, like that 10 million thing that I mentioned earlier. So the team that I got on team sky was one of those teams that were applying to be a franchise team. They were backed by, I forgot the name, but they were backed by a pretty well-known NFL player. And the team owner, you know, he signed me and a couple of, like, really known prospects. Um, we had, like, an LCS player in our mid lane, or LCS. So he was, like, a really well-known pro player. His name was Mandatory, Mandatory Cloud. And then we had, a, we actually had a import as our top laner, which is really rare, you know, in the semi-pro scene. Usually they have imports in the pro scene, Imports being um, players from like other regions that come to the United States to like play. So usually they're Korean or like, it's like we had a Korean top laner that came from Korea to play league. And then we had a jungler who was really well known, kind of like the same level as me when it came to like being a prospect, Blabberfish, who has now won multiple titles in the LCS, who is now playing for the best or one of the best team in the league, which is Cloud9. And then we had a support that was also a ex-LCS player. So he was also a pro player. So we had this team that was heavily stacked and we were kind of expected to get into the league. And unfortunately, all that kind of fell. And the organization itself ended up like not making it in. So, you know, so we had, so all of us were like free agents for like a good amount of time. And me and Blabber being like, I guess like the best prospects because we were like the up and coming names. Um, we were getting reached out by teams. And then there was a point where the owner of like the team, Team Sky, wanted to like kind of like lock us down with a contract and then have like teams like pay like a lot of money to sign us. He was basically like trying to screw us over. Right. So he was trying to, uh, he was trying to lock you guys in a contract and then make other people pay more to sign you guys. Or is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So he was trying to contract lock us, but we wow. ended up getting the help of, um, it's crazy. Yeah, we ended up getting the help of a lawyer that works for Riot Games, which is the publisher of League of Legends. Yeah. And he ended up, like, getting us out of it. And then I ended up signing with, like, the new, like, one of the newer teams that are getting into the league, which was the Golden Guardians, which was the team backed by the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, obviously my biggest signing. Like, that was the biggest pro team that I ever joined. So I ended up signing with them. And then, yeah, I played my... I got to play in like the academy league, which is like the pro league. So, how, how long are normally the contracts? Like, is it like a season or uh, how does um, it work? It, or you it's just usually uh, it's usually a year. Okay, but um, depending on like how good you are and how much they see in you, they, it's usually like you go from a year to like three years. So the first contract I signed, I believe, was for two years, okay. and. Again, it depends. Like, if you're someone that they're just picking up for, like, a split. A split is, like, a season. There's usually two seasons, but that's that was back then. It's different now. There's only, I believe there's only one big season now. But 
back then each season or each year consists of two seasons. So some teams would sign you for just like one season and then, you know, you can look for another team or, um, so yeah, so that team ended up signing me for two years though, but. Okay. How, um, like, and today maybe things have changed a bit, but like when we think about just from the perspective of like, if someone wants to go into esports and actually, uh, let, let's say they do become professional, like, um, is it, uh, and it's probably even more so today, but can you make a pretty good living from like, I mean, I guess it's, it depends if you make like prize money and stuff like that as well. Right. But um, like, is that a big part of it or is it mostly just like salary? And then, um, it, like how do those contracts work normally? It honestly depends depending on the game, but league of legends itself, a lot of the contracts you're making money, um, you have like a set amount of money. It doesn't really matter how your team does. Mm. Um, you're on a contract. You're like salaried paid. So like you get a set amount um, regardless of how your team plays. Um, but there are certain games that are like more, I guess, price dependent. Like Dota 2 is one of those games where like their biggest tournament, you can easily win like $5 million if you guys get first place. So okay. I, I believe in those games, they don't get paid as much like monthly. Whereas like games like league where it's like a season and it's like a pro league or it's like a franchise league. Most of the players do get paid monthly. And I believe the minimum nowadays for like a Academy player, I believe is like 50 grand a year. Um, and yeah, so pretty much enough to support yourself and do what you need to do, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like it's 50 grand a year, but they cover housing. They cover. Oh, okay. So it's pretty good. Yeah. So you're basically like, you're making everything and you're just getting to save it because they cover everything. Like they provide you with housing. Again, back in my day, like we were in a gaming house. You didn't have to pay for rent. They provided you with food. So you basically, everything you earned was just yours. And then that's like the minimum, right? Yeah. Like the, like the big, I guess like the really big names, like their contracts can reach up to like half a million, a million a year. So like, it really depends on how good you are, but like, once you make it as a pro player, you should make enough to live off of it easily. Because again, like most of these teams, they provide everything. So, how do the owners in those companies make money? Do they? Uh, is it like from sponsorships or like do they? Let's say in league, is there prize money if you win? Like, uh, mm-hmm. and do they keep the prize money or something? Or maybe bonus most. Um, that's yeah. That's the thing with esports is that most teams right now are kind of running on red. Obviously, there's some teams that are really successful you know, like 100 Thieves, TSM. But yeah, Yeah. they make most of their money from sponsorship deals, um, merch, mostly from sponsorship deals. So like a lot of these teams have like big name sponsorships, like like the one of of the most, or the most successful esports team right now is this team called 100 Thieves. I believe they're sponsored by like Chipotle, um, Nissan, Cash App. So like that's where most of their income comes from. But again, like, they don't expect to make money from you as a player. It's more like the team success kind of like grows like the brand and like the esports mm. team so that the value of the esports team like grows, you know? They build times. brand equity essentially. Yeah, and then, the, yeah. and then like a lot of the investors invest, not really, um, they don't really like worry about making money right away. It's more about like investing into like the organization itself. So that again, like most, again, most of them are running they're not, it's not like they're making money, you know, like the yeah. prize pool are the prize money, especially in league are super low. Like, really? 
Yeah, if like the first, if, I believe first place in like the LCS, which is like the biggest league again in the United States, I believe you only win like $150,000. That's, That's for the first place team. And most of those go to the players, not really the team. Most contracts, I believe the team gets like 20 to 30% at most. So that's nothing compared to like how yeah. much they're paying their players, which is like half a million, $5 million yeah. contracts. Yeah. That's insane. It's crazy because I feel like it should just be, I don't, I'm trying to understand the economics of it because I feel like Riot Games makes so much money. Like, yeah. I feel like they should, <laughs> the, the, you know, oh, and, and that that's too. probably the tip. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Because, um, Again, like 2018, when it became a franchise league, it became this whole ecosystem where Riot does give them like certain amount from like the sponsorship, the actual game or like the actual league itself gets. So like LCS gets sponsored by, let's say, State Farm and whatever State Farm pays them, like they'll divide it to like the teams. So they do do that now. But before the franchise league, yeah, most teams honestly made like no money. There was even a point where the only like people were like hiring really good players from like other regions to play on their challenger team to get into like the LCS. And then once they're in the LCS, they'll sell their spot for like a mil- couple million dollars. And then they just cash out like that. Cause oh, again, wow. like e- esports, especially back then you're kind of, you don't really make a lot of money. Um, yeah. Instantly. But nowadays it's more like, like you said, like it's more about like the brand equity and like how much the brand is going to be worth years down the line, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So today, you know, and I think as the, as everything becomes more and more popular every single year, and I bet even with like COVID, like things, mm-hmm. I know I played more like league. I, I, I played like on and off like a game once in a while for like many, many years. Cause I played Dota before. And sometimes it's just like catch up with friends and we just like play league, you know, just like hang out on a call if yeah. we haven't seen each other for a while. <laughs> but like, because yeah. of COVID in the last year, I'm just like, no, there's not that much else to do. So it's like the most league I've ever played. Um, but I was just thinking like, first and foremost, that means so many, I think so many other people are, are in the same boat where it's like, you know, if you're just at home video games, obviously have probably seen the stock rise, right? Was that something that you've yeah. also seen? Yeah. And that's what's happening. You know, the bigger the games become, and that's kind of what these teams do is that they kind of a- advertise the games, their teams. And then obviously the bigger the game gets, the more fan base, like the certain league gets, yeah. and then the more, I guess like the value, the more value the team being in that league is worth. And that's kind of where it's headed, you know, like a lot of these leagues, like um, a couple of these teams that are in like the LCS have teams in like um, other games too, like Call of Duty. They also have a franchise like where I believe like to get in was like $20 million. So like these numbers are like insane compared to like how much these teams actually make. And again, a lot of like the money, like these teams use come from investment and you know again like they're kind of they're kind of on the boat that like eventually esports is going to be worth like five ten times more than it is now so yeah i think i probably that that probably will that's what i was thinking and that's why i even asked the question of like the mainstream thing because i feel like right now it's like it's still quite yeah. far from it right and um and there's obviously so much more money in it and now there's like platforms like twitch where yeah. it's like um, people make a lot from it. Um, what What is it about like Twitch that made you first get into that? Because now like you spend a lot of your time creating content and streaming. Is that, mm-hmm. is that a big part of the time now? Yeah. So like um, last year I decided to, you know, after trying to go pro or like being in pro, jumping in and out of pro teams for like, I believe two to three years, I decided to try and do the whole content creating thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Twitch is this platform that, 
has been around for, I believe, a couple of years now, but I believe it's still growing to this day. And obviously, like, being a competitor is fun and all, um, being a pro player. But at the end of the day, like, at any time, you can get kicked by a team and then you're basically out without nothing. Whereas, like, as a Twitch streamer slash content creator, you have, like, this... You're able to, like, create something more sustainable and something that you can build towards, like, for a longer amount of time. Yeah. Whereas, like, obviously, as a pro player, you're always going to be competing. There's younger people that are going to come and, like, you know, have, like, more skill than you, have more motivation than you. Whereas, like, if you're an entertainer or a streamer, if you're able to build a fan base, you're able to, like, create content that, you know, people like, you can do you know, you can do that for like a long time without like having to worry about having to compete with mm-hmm. like, you know, people taking your spot and stuff like that. So that's kind of like why I decided to switch. Um, obviously, I love to compete, um, but I decided that like, you know, for me to get, for me to be able to like do what I love for a longer amount of time, I think streaming is something that I've always done anyways um, before I even jumped into like doing it full time. I used to stream on the side when I was in pro teams. Um, I've always like enjoyed like entertaining people and like talking to people. So like it kind of just all fit fit well. You know, I still get to do what I love, which is play the same game. And at the same time, I get to like meet people, Mm -hmm. um, create content for a game that I already have a lot of knowledge on. So it kind of just works out, you know. Yeah, that works out, especially just because you've already played at that level, you know? So there's a reason why people... Sometimes I don't understand why people watch certain people for, like, yeah. streaming, but, it's like, obviously, like... But, you know, I guess it's a whole psychology. Why, why do you think, like, Twitch has become so popular? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Yeah, I guess, yeah. what are the main reasons that people people watch your streams? Is it just for entertainment? Is it for learning? And why, why do you think it's become such a big thing? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because, like... Even when I first started telling my friends about Twitch, they're like, I'm like, yo, yeah, you guys should, you know, I do this thing where I stream on Twitch. Um, Usually I would get the whole, why would you want to watch someone when you can just play the game yourself? You know, (laughs) like, what's the point of that? You know, like, why would you rather watch someone play the game when you can just play it yourself? And yeah, I I thought, I thought that sometimes too, but it is quite entertaining sometimes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just this. When I tell my friends that are not into gaming at all, what I do, I'm like, yeah, you know, like I stream in front of a computer and people watch me play. They're like, wait, why would they watch, you know, why, why don't they just play the same game? <laughs> but I think uh, the biggest reason why people come to watch me, um, obviously, like I have like the, the knowledge and experience from playing at the highest level. Um, so people look up to me. Um, I have a lot of viewers that ask me for tips on like how to get um, to that level, you know, what it took. Um, what steps that I took to get there, how, how hard was it? Is it even like something that they should consider to do? And then at the other side of that, you know, obviously there's people that are just interested in me as a person. Um, you know, obviously like going pro is something that's out of the norm. Only like, I guess like a few people are able to do it and get to play in that high level. So like people are inclined to like hear like, hear about you or like learn more about you kind of see how you know this person is you know someone who's been through that um and I think you know what helped me grow a lot recently too was because um I tend to interact a lot with my viewers um I talk to my viewers a lot um I try to like talk to every single one of my viewers that come through my chat and nowadays I get like close to 
300 to like 500 viewers, which is, you know, obviously there's like people coming in and go. So, but I think that's one of the reasons why my stream was able to grow. Um, there's a lot of the interaction that I had with my viewers. Plus the fact that a lot of them look up to me for my skill. Um, and obviously I, I do a lot of educational commentary where while I'm playing, I talk about the game. I talk about what I'm doing. I talk about what I'm thinking, why I do what I do. Um, what made me decide to do that instead of this. So they're just getting to like learn a lot from me. And I think that's the mm -hmm. biggest thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And I definitely, definitely get that as well. It's like, some and sometimes it's just really entertaining to watch like uh, sometimes i just like go on twitch and like watch like the most like you know just like the most popular one would be like in korean yeah. i can't understand anything but it's like so you intense. watch how they play right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And i'm always just amazed think, at like how good the team dynamics are just like they, they're so insane i think a, <laughs> a good comparison would be like let's say you have the opportunity to watch someone like steph curry practice and him be able to like talk to you while he's practicing why why he's like shooting that way you know you can be like hey stuff why do you, why are you shooting that way and him being like oh yeah i shoot that way because blah 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 blah. yeah and for like a lot of my viewers it's like that they're like oh like why are you doing this and then you know i'm able to tell them yo i'm doing this because blah 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 or like if they have like a specific question hey like what do you think about this champion and then i'm able to give them like my opinion on it like that means a lot to them because obviously yeah. I'm someone that plays the game at a higher level yeah. and the fact that they can interact with me in, a, in that way, it, I think it's that it's what makes Twitch really popular is, you know, obviously you have like platforms like YouTube, TikTok, where people can create content, but the most you can do as a fan is like leave a comment and hope that they respond or even read that comment. Whereas Twitch, if you're talking to a streamer that knows that, you know, interacts with his viewers, like you can, know for a fact that you're going to be talking to that person which is you know it's just a yeah, different really relationship yeah i want to ask a few last questions we don't have too much time left but i did want to ask um you know in the in the gaming space i feel like it's been quite cool to see there's a lot of like asian representation whereas in mainstream mm -hmm. media at least if you grew up in the u.s you know like me and maybe a lot of the listeners it's like yeah, well, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I just didn't really see like any <laughs> like many. Yeah, Asians there's not a lot of Asians. Yeah, yeah, in the Midwest. Yeah. Yep. Um, but um, you know, I always thought that was pretty cool to actually start to see more like Asian people in mainstream, and like it started with like YouTube, and then uh, and then I thought it was cool to start seeing more like when you watch like these documentaries and stuff like that. I've seen a mm -hmm. few on League, or like when you look at like esports, there's a lot of like Asian people. Um, is there any like unique like? Um, I mean, I mean, what percentage of the people, like, uh, are a lot of the people that play, like, would you say they are Asian? And, like, do you know, why, why do you think that is? And also, like, are there, th like, kind of challenges or stereotypes that still, like, within that space that mm -hmm. Asians face or anything unique? Um, I think I think that's why there's a lot of, um, I guess, like, Asians in the video game scene is that compared to, like, other aspects of, like, I guess, like, you know, especially like the Western culture, like if you try to play basketball, if you try to play football, you're kind of judged based off the fact that you are Asian. You know what I mean? Like, again, like obviously there's Asians in like these certain sports, like there's, you know, obviously like Jeremy Lin. And then there's like a bunch of like really successful football players that are making name for themselves now. But um, baseball players. Yeah, baseball players. But when you're like when you're playing these games, like people are already looking down on you based off your race. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Whereas, like, a video game, you know, it's something that I guess, like, it's not really, like, 
has nothing to do with like any physicality. Yeah. So like, well, it does though, but maybe just not like, <laughs> you know, it's certainly, yeah, I no. think it's definitely, you know. Yeah, it's not like your height, you know what I mean? And yeah. like how strong like my wrist is sore still from clicking or something's wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I think that's why, you know, that's why Asians tend to do really well, like um, in video games is because, you know, there's no stereotypes against them. And like, yeah. it's even like, I feel like it's even, it's like an edge to be an Asian, to be honest, in this field, because like, they expect like most Asian people to like be like hardworking, you know, like um, really good, really good teammates. And this is based off my experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who played competitively, like I've never had a problem with like someone who's Asian, <laughs> like most oh, yeah. of my team that have became toxic or are toxic or like bad teammates. Um, they're usually another race, like most Asian people or most like, you know, people, my race, I guess our race, um, they're really, down to earth they're hardworking. they work well with anyone they're honestly just there to play the game because they love what they do mm-hmm. and i think that's why like there's a lot of asian rep- representation in the gaming scene is because um i don't know that's i guess yeah it's really cool yeah well, i guess I always in, in korea it's like always been a thing like how yeah. good they are well, obviously everyone's asian there but it's just like i feel like gaming has always been yeah. yeah it's like you know, starcraft right that was kind of where it started. starcraft yeah <laughs> even in like china you know like in in south asian countries like mobile games are mobile games are like i guess bigger than like pc games mm-hmm. and like those teams are like winning world champ like um mobile legends which is this really big mobile game on the philippines just won the world championship and th- this is including teams that are from like the u.s mm-hmm. you know western team and Again, I think it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of stupid, you know, to say that like, oh, you know, because like most Asian guys are short. They can't compete in the NBA. But like, you know, you're playing video games. Height doesn't matter. But I don't know. I know. It's hard to like talk about it without sounding or praising like, I guess, being Asian too much. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, no, I know either way, I think it's a cool outlet. It's cool to go from like kind of uh, um, at least when I was, playing a lot of video games and, you know just like a nerdy thing and now i just feel like yeah. it's like there's you know a lot of my friends like they like used to be uh and they still are like they were like the jocks or they're like yeah like <laughs> athletes and stuff they all like play video games now it's like hilarious yeah, they do. you know <laughs> yeah i had the same experience too was uh you know obviously like i showcase what i do on like my social media platforms and i would have people reach out to me from like high school that would even like i remember would used to make fun of me for like you know, spending all my days like playing video games, being in the library, watching video game clips. Now they're like, dude, you're so lucky, man. Like I've been watching your games, dude. I watch your stream sometimes. Like, you know, you seem to be really good at this and like, you love what you do. You know, they, they kind of start looking up to you, you know, yeah. and it's just yeah. a big switch, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. So, um, uh, also just another last, uh, mm-hmm. question is, uh, you know, just, um, I guess for someone, and this is probably something you've answered a lot, but just for someone that doesn't want to go into this space, like what does it really take um, if you had to summarize it um, to, to actually make this into like a real career in terms of like going pro? Oh, going pro or as a streamer, dude? I would say going pro. Going pro. Okay. Um, honestly, like if you want to go pro, um, it's going to take a lot um, and not just like, 
a lot as in like, you know, playing as much as you can, but it's more like dedicating your entire life into like a certain game. And even then you're not, you can't really expect to like make it because um, millions of, or like hundreds of thousands of people do the same thing, but they don't even get close to like making it. Mm. Um, your competition is honestly a lot. So if you really do want to make it, um, you got to put in the hours, you got to have the drive to really make it. And you just got to be passionate about the game, regardless of the outcome. Like you just really have to love what you do because it's a lot of hours um, depending on like where you're from or like your situation, like you're not going to make any money in the beginning, but if you stick through it and you end up being one of the ones that really become the best at a game, um, you can really make it big and make a living out of there, out of it. And, you know, like there's obviously so many examples of like people that are successful now mm-hmm. that you can look up to. Um, but honestly, yeah, it's, it's going to take a lot of grinding hours, um, a lot of time spent, playing the game a lot of days where like how much like, time are we talking uh, on average when you're uh, <laughs> oh when i was like actually grinding grinding yeah. i used to i used the only thing that i didn't do was or not, the only time when i didn't play the game was when i was sleeping <laughs> so pretty much wake up. i'll wake up yeah you play like probably like i would say 16 to 18 hours a day and at the same time again like it's super hard. So you got to really love what you do. You also got to have like the, in it, uh, like the ability to like learn from like your own mistakes, um, improve on your own, have like some sort of mechanics already like instilled in you. Cause then like, it'll be easier to like learn the game. But I think the biggest thing is just having passion for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, mm-hmm. How do you know, like, was there a point where you're like, I have the natural ability like that my natural ability is not going to be a limiting factor uh uh-huh. or, or how would people know that you know because because oh, uh, yeah. i think it's like in basketball it's like if you're, if you're just like below a certain height it's honestly just like the odds are so stacked to be but so obvious yeah. you know because you yeah, can it's always it. like if you're short yeah yeah, yeah it's like, um, i think hard. i think if you're nowadays um since competition is super tough depending on the genre but for say for league if you're like around the age of like 16 to 18 and you're hitting like diamond masters um, without any like coaching or anything like that, you probably have the potential to go pro. Um, But if you're already like you're in your mid twenties and you're like plat or gold, then your chances of going pro is probably slim to none. Um, But if you're young and you already have like the raw mechanics um, and you can easily make it up to like the top 5% of the game, that should be like a good sign that, you know, you will have what it takes. Mm -hmm. You can invest more time into it. You can get like coaching and stuff like that to further improve. Um, But again, like, I think it just depends. Like age is obviously just a number and you can be like in your mid twenties, but if you have the drive and you really want to put in the time to study the game and you have the mechanics, like you somehow get better really quickly, then you should still consider it. But Again, it just it on like that's the thing with esports is I think a lot of it is based off like how high you can get in the ladder. So if you're someone that can easily hit like top 500, top 1,000, and you have the drive to go pro, then I say push for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most of the players that are in that bracket do try to go pro, and then most of them do try. They end up joining a couple of summer pro teams, and then from there they just don't make it. Um, but I think the biggest telling sign would be like being able to like 
hit high ranking, it's easy for me to say just, oh, just hit top 10. And if you hit top 10, like, oh, you should definitely go pro. You should consider going pro, but you can be like top a thousand and have like drive to like get there the next year. You know what I mean? Cool. So uh, just to wrap things up, um, how do people, uh, so, so how often do you stream on Twitch? Like every day, how do people follow you? You know, mm-hmm. whether it's on Instagram, social media, what, what's like the handles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I stream every day, actually. I usually start at um, 11 PM PST, which is super late night. Um, I just chose this time because I, I think it's the best when it comes to like growing. Cause I feel like, you know, I don't have to compete with like a lot of big streamers and I get to like, um, grow really quickly. Um, so I've been streaming at 11 PM BC. That's at twitch.tv slash Jurassic J U R A S S I Q. Um, my social media handles are pretty much the same. It's just Jurassic on Instagram, Twitter. Those are like the ones that I use the most. Um, and yeah, if you guys need to contact me, contact me, if you guys have any questions, um, and like, yeah, if you decide that you wanted to pursue like going pro and you wanted to ask me directly, like, do I have what it takes? Then, you know, I would love to answer and, you know, hopefully guide you in some way if I can. So. Cool, man. Um, any other la- last words you want to say? If not, that's cool too. But um, I think that's all I got. Um, I think. No, I think I'm, that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I, I learned a lot, man. That was a really good convo, and um, it's pretty eye-opening. And I think this is only going to grow bigger and bigger. Definitely, I think that you're uh, mm-hmm. pioneers in, in this space um, because I imagine in ten years from now, it's just going to like it's even, I, yeah, it's yeah. going to be crazy big. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like this is like uh, I can't think of a great comparison, but with like all the hype around like Bitcoin recently, I feel like this is like when Bitcoin was like still no like, one was buying <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. but uh it's just like you know i think we're still kind of far from it but but yeah. um it's really exciting yeah no thank you for having me man again um i appreciate it and again like hopefully i was able to answer some questions oh yeah um and again you know if and like again like any of like the, your listeners have any specific questions or anything like that or they're going through like you know maybe like signing with a team and they're like you know, or a semi-pro team, they're not sure if it's like, because there is obviously a lot of stuff that get into it. Um, Yeah, feel free to reach out. Thanks everyone for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to email Dominic at whyyouknowdoctor.com. Until next time.